And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, and today we're going to talk with Sally Wagonmaker, another wonderful Christian lawyer on the role of Christian lawyers in Christ's second coming, and what you as believers can do to prepare for the second coming, and how you can help and coordinate with lawyers. Sally is not only a lawyer, but she's president-elect of the Christian Legal Society. Welcome, Sally. Well, thank you very much. It's a great honor to be on the show with you. And I've told the listeners that there's a role that they have in helping lawyers prepare for the return of Jesus. Does that make any sense? I think it makes a lot of sense. I have some different ideas based on what you say, but absolutely. And and how can we as believers coordinate with lawyers? Or if we're lawyers, how can we pre- help prepare the body of Messiah for the second coming? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'd be glad to respond to that now. Or Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, a lot of different things come to mind. I think, first of all, as believers, we're all uh, called to be ready for uh, Jesus' second coming. He promises to come back. The Word tells us that. And we are not to be idle. We are to be productive and to be active in our work and how we uh, raise our families and how we uh, engage with society. And I think that really is a huge part of Christian legal society is to, first and foremost, to engage our faith as attorneys so that we can um, be uh, vibrant participants in society. Um, And I think the other thing it makes me think of is this concept of shalom, which I recently learned uh, from one of Tim Keller's wonderful books, according to him, that shalom is another way not just to say peace, but to say flourishing. And so the opposite of, of shalom could be unrest, but also brokenness. And so when you think about that societally, personally, spiritually, when we have brokenness, many times that's where a lawyer comes uh, and gets involved. There's brokenness in a family, or there's brokenness in a contract. There's brokenness in some other kind of relationship. And so Christian attorneys can step in the gap, help their clients with that, but also walk uh, with their clients in a way that helps to restore the spiritual aspects and to be very sensitive to that, to that idea of shalom, of flourishing and to help um, to repair brokenness. Well, uh, that's really cool, but I'm going to ask you a hard question then. You're suggesting <laughs> sure. that lawyers can be peacemakers, mm-hmm. and uh, Jesus talked about peacemakers, but lawyers are usually fairly arrogant, and they're not, they're not the meek that inherit the earth. Uh, how, how do those two mm-hmm. ideas fit together? How, mm-hmm. can, how can a prideful lawyer be a meek uh, peacemaker? Sure. Well, I think I would, as a lawyer, you know, we love to argue and question, um, so I would question whether we're all arrogant. <laughs> um, <laughs> take, take offense at that maybe a little bit, but I think that, um, right, no, no, people can... I'm not... I'm not in- I'm not present company excluded, Sally. Uh, <laughs> right, right. We're, we're, well, we're think, the most humble of the humble. Uh, well, um, 
There you go. Um, and I think, but I think that resonates with people because that's kind of a public or a common perception. And so I think that, you know, as attorneys, uh, we need to be good listeners. We need to understand what our clients uh, need, what they are trying to get, where they've been hurt, where they may have weaknesses in their case. We need to listen or read uh, what the law is, what the judge says, how we're going to engage in, in a dispute or to reach a goal whether it's to close a real estate transaction or to work out a, a difficult employment matter. Um, so there's, there really isn't a place for arrogance. Um, it may be perceived as such, and lawyers seem to think they, you know, I would say stereotypically, seem to think they uh, know a lot, and maybe they do, but they uh, first and foremost, I think they have to be great listeners, and then they need to be able to advocate or otherwise help their client to get to some sort of result. Maybe the result is to walk away and to have peace of mind because of that and in way, that way be a peacemaker. Or maybe uh, the approach is to understand better what the other side has to say and how we can reach some mutually acceptable goals. Um, or maybe it's to listen so well that uh, we know we have a great case and then to advocate our position in a winsome way, in a way that other folks want to be responsive to that. So I think we can be great peacemakers absolutely the way that Jesus calls to do that. Uh, but, you know, that's a, that's a, a perennial challenge, I think, for anybody in any position, because God does call us to, to be humble, not in a, a subservient way or a way that um, would hurt us, but ultimately in a way that brings restoration and that really brings about the result that is God-honoring. And hopefully, with respect to that, you know, that, uh, that is, is helpful for people uh, to achieve their results. And makes me think about, I guess my last point with that is, makes me think about the word rights. We talk about rights, civil rights, our rights, what about my right versus somebody else's right, lawyers for civil rights. Um, and, and certainly that is common, and that's a good word, but I think with that, um, we have to think about what is the bigger picture and what God calls us to do, not just um, what, uh, how I may feel hurt or I may feel wronged. Um, so it's not necessarily to say, let's lay down our rights, but to really think uh, more holistically about that. Does that make sense? Well, well it makes absolute sense, and, and these, are, mm -hmm. these are things that Jesus has articulated for all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Should I mean, people should people uh, really seek out spiritual counsel and Christian lawyers in if they need a lawyer? Uh, what what makes a Christian lawyer different or a member of, of the Christian uh -huh. legal society different from any other sure. lawyer who who knows his or her stuff and is honest and ethical? Right. I think those are really great and important questions. Um, and I, I want to go back just a minute. I think that with rights, you know, a lot of, uh, a great example of that is Martin Luther King and how he absolutely stood up for rights from a very moral standpoint. Um, we absolutely knew what he was about and he brought about great change and great benefit. And of course, that's why he is a hero today. Um, 
worship, but he, he did that in a winsome way as a strong Christian. So I think um, even though he wasn't a lawyer, I think that's an, a great example for us as lawyers to say, well, what does that mean then to be a Christian lawyer? Just like what does it mean to be a Christian civil rights leader? And so as a Christian lawyer, you know, I mean, frankly, and with humility, you know, Christian lawyers aren't necessarily the best lawyers. You know, there may be many, many other fantastic lawyers. God uses people in all shapes and sizes. He uses the pagans. He uses, uh, you know, nations and people and whatnot. So we need to, to be mindful of that. But as Christians, we are called to excellence, and hopefully we all uh, um, aspire to that. I think some particular qualities that can be helpful to people in seeking out Christian lawyers is to think about um, particularly what kind of case is this. Is this something where somebody needs to really understand where I'm coming from and what my goals are here? And is this somebody who's going to be able to walk alongside me? Is this someone who's going to get it that I want to think about a holistic solution? Or maybe that I'm more amenable to mediation? Or I would really rather... Can you give us an example of uh, a situation you've handled where you think your faith and reliance on the Holy Spirit or, uh, mm-hmm. or, or Scripture allowed you to uh, get a better result for a client? Uh, yeah, uh, that's a great question. You know, I work a lot with not-for-profit organizations, and we do have some conflicts. And I think, you know, the bigger picture with that is I think there's so much of God's wisdom is really pretty practical um, because God knows us and he knows our hearts. So if we're going to have a Christian attorney, that's somebody who's going to be tuned into that. Hopefully that's somebody who's going to pray before, you know, we get started in the day, who's going to pray through um, a situation. And I've certainly done that many times with my clients, and that can be, you know, one of the most impactful things we do. Um, it's, a, it's a scary world out there in many ways, and so um, to, to make sure that we include God in what we're doing and what our goals are. And I think one example that comes to mind, I had a case many years ago with a, a dispute between uh, brothers who owned a business. And again, back to that listening thing, the question is, well, what do people need? And one person needed... Um, to uh, to retire, to move on, to cash out, uh, and the other person, above all, needed to show that he was a good brother and that he cared for his brother. So that made it fairly easy in the dollar standpoint. Um, but one really important aspect that was just quite touching because we were tuned in is that one brother, uh, and I can't even remember now which one it was, but one of them, uh, Ernest, because we had such great dialogue, one brother earnestly desired for the other brother to come to Christ. Uh, and then this first brother uh, felt very strongly uh, from a religious standpoint about every aspect of this case, and so that's how we really ad- addressed it. And then the other brother, um, was he actually told me, he said, you know, I'm, I spoke with him, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. My brother doesn't think I'm much a believer, but I am. And so we could get into a spiritual dialogue, and that first brother, that was really one of his prime goals was to help his un- brother understand from a spiritual standpoint how uh, this conflict needed to be addressed. Um, so we couldn't have that conversation uh, if we weren't all on the same page as believers. So so you're saying that, uh, in effect, a Christian lawyer's role is is can be and, and often should be more than, than just legal. It's spiritual, and mm-hmm. it's, it's helping in the bigger picture, that is the God picture, uh, mm-hmm. people reconcile from their hearts, uh, people find solutions that move them closer to the Lord spiritually, 
and uh, even evangelize. Thank you, Sally. Uh, Sure. This is uh, Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk, a law firm of Malk & Baker. Today we're discussing with Sally Wagonmaker uh, the role of Christian attorneys in preparing for Christ's return. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the role of believers and how believers can help attorneys and coordinate with attorneys. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, partner of the law firm of Mauk and Baker, and we're talking with Sally Wagonmaker, a Christian attorney and president-elect of the Christian Legal Society, on the role of lawyers in preparing for the return of Jesus and being occupied while we're waiting for that return. And specifically, uh, how can non-lawyers be part of the action, so to speak, part of the uh, social impact uh, that the law has in uh, helping us have a more just society and, and preparing for Jesus' return? Well, that's a really uh, a deep question, and uh, I think in every way, as we all recognize that the world is full of laws, there's, full, there's so many questions, uh, our country's been in so much upheaval and tumult, I think, with changing cultural um, uh, environment, and uh, as I mentioned before about rights, people asserting rights, rights that um, we, you have to wonder where do those rights come from? Uh, do they? Well, come well let me from... stop you right mm-hmm. right there. there it seems sure. to me there's a lot of confusion, okay, in people's minds about where where does authority come from? Does mm-hmm. it come from the Constitution? Mm-hmm. Does it come from having a badge and the okay. IRS? Or does it come from God and and how can we, as believers, that God is a source of all authorities, operate within this society that has Christian foundations, but is mm-hmm. is uh, very scared when you mention the word God, fearful that uh, mm-hmm. something's going to be imposed upon them that mm-hmm. that they don't like? How how do we maneuver that, and how does the right. believer, not the lawyer? Uh, na- navigate these shoals. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's a great point and further question that um, makes me think of two things. One is is on rights is to be thoughtful about where those rights come from. As believers, um, we our foundation is in is in God and in the Bible. Other people uh, may have different foundation, but they still have a foundation. Even if they're atheists, they have some sort of foundation. And the question is, well, where does this idea of morality or right and wrong or to the extent of morality? Morality is inherent in the law when you say you should do this or you shouldn't do that, whether it's you, sh- you should wear motorcycle helmets. Why? So you don't get hurt. Or maybe, so am I, insurance rates will go down. Um, those kinds of questions, there's always some sort of moral foundation regardless of someone's particular belief system. And so I think all believers can be um, sensitive to that and, and to be respectful as a Christian witness, if nothing, of itself, if nothing else, to show that as Christians that we uh, want to be respectful of all humans from a dignity standpoint. And I think the second part of this is uh, really from Romans 13, which talks about uh, civil authorities. And as believers, we have to 
respect and honor authorities, not necessarily respect saying, you know, I personally respect this person has earned my respect, but respect the office and the position that our leaders are in, uh, regardless of the branch of government. But having said that and recognizing that God is sovereign above all appointed or elected leaders, so God remains in control, our job as Christians is not to just lay down and, and walk on by, but as that example of Martin Luther King and many others is to stand up. And so maybe it is to advocate um, ourselves within you know the system, whether you're a lawyer or not, you certainly can advocate for legislative change, for things like religious liberty, which is really you know such a bedrock of our country, for things like pro-life activities where, you know, if we don't have a culture of life, then, then what do we have if we don't respect people um, as humans? And to do that in a winsome way, not to agitate, but to advocate, and then to be prepared, as, as many of us have found, to perhaps to be persecuted, to perhaps go down a road that is that may be very uncomfortable for us, and thankfully we are not at that place in many respects in our country, but we've certainly seen quite a bit of activity that could threaten that. So while we respect the institutions of government, we, we serve sometimes maybe as lonely prophets, and, and I think just to bring that back um, to this Christian legal society, you know, we have been very, very active recently. Um, and, I mean, for many, many years in, in different respects, but particularly recently as we've um, seen more intolerance from judges, uh, from other uh, people in government authority toward concept of religious liberty, toward this idea that religious liberty has to take a back seat to so-called civil rights, you know, involving um, same-sex type issues. And again, we want to be respectful of all, but there has to be some lines here where we can't say one group is tolerant, but the other group is intolerant. And, and there's tension there. So it's really, really important as Christian believers to get involved and to pay attention and then to be supportive of organizations like Christian Legal Society that are really taking a lead in so many of these issues. And if there's a lawyer listening here, should he or she join Christian Legal <laughs> Society? Why? What, yeah, does, what, does, a society, what yeah. does a society do in their lives and in their practices? I can answer that in a myriad of ways. It's a couple of things is that uh, it's a great fellowship, whether you come to our national conference uh, where you come and you make instant friends and get encouraged and get uh, schooled up on all kinds of things, whether it's religious liberty or very uh, nuts and bolts kind of aspects of your practice. Uh, there's many uh, cities now where we have uh, local chapters, and so that's another way to get involved. Um, I think for me personally, it's been uh, pivotal uh, to help me to think biblically about how I practice law, to have a community of support for encouragement, for accountability. You know, John, you, uh, have, uh, you have held me accountable on, in various ways to, to be a leader and to be responsible and to, to live well as a Christian. So, so we really need that. And I think, you know, we, we all can go to our churches and to other groups, and they're all fantastic, of course. But there's something about being a lawyer that is it's hard. You know, we get beat up. We have to advocate and, and really take on our clients' burdens and to be able to share that with each other and to kind of be in the trenches of what it means to be a Christian lawyer is just really, really invaluable to someone's professional and personal development. Yeah, let, let me suggest this, this paradigm, which may be uh, mm -hmm. new to some of our listeners, but the ministry that Jesus had in impacting Israel for the kingdom of God and proclaiming the kingdom of God is often explained in religious terms. We've all heard the sermons that Jesus interacted with the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
And there's some truth to that. These were religious people. Uh, but the, probably I'm coming to believe the more practical and fundamental truth was he was interacting with the lawyers of his day. Uh, these, these men are often described in scriptures as teachers of the law, teachers of Torah. And Torah wasn't a religious book. It was a constitution. It was how do we live? What are our laws? What are our procedures? And so the students of Jesus were law students. A rabbi, which is applied to Jesus, didn't mean leader of a synagogue. It meant teacher of the law. So he was a law professor, teacher, a professor of God's law. So looked at in that way, these Pharisees, Sadducees were politicians. The Sanhedrin was a tribunal. And we can see that he's impacting or attempting to impact on, in many different ways to teach, rebuke the legal uh, authorities of his day. And if that was his strategy for reaching the world, then I think he did a pretty effective job. At first he impacted Israel, and then Israel brought the gospel with lawyers like Paul. What does that say to the rest of us in terms of supporting our lawyers here? If we're not lawyers, uh, how important is it for us to pray for, to give to the Christian Legal Society, to urge lawyers we know to join the Christian Legal Society? Your thoughts? Yeah, um, wow, that's, that's a powerful testimony and a good reminder of how pivotal lawyers can be. We are not necess- we're not the most important in the world. Everybody's important. We all have jobs to fulfill. Um, but lawyers do have great responsibility and influence. And I think one of our um, catchphrases around Christian Legal Society has been change the law, change the lawyer, change the culture. And we have seen the negative side of that in recent years. And I don't want to be alarmist, but it is very sobering that there are many, many forces at work to change the law, to change um, how people address different aspects of our society. And lawyers are getting influenced that way. It's very compelling in a, in a negative way that as judges are more receptive to this idea that religious liberty takes a back seat or that we look at things in a very utilitarian way and not with some moral undergirding. Um, you know, it's a huge issue. Well, what is the moral undergirding? Is it Christianity? Is it another religion? Is it completely out? We need to be engaged in those kinds of conversations with people of faith um, and maybe of multiple faiths, but we don't want to excise the Christian faith from our uh, public square of debate. As many people would say, we, we don't want to have God in the mix because that's just you know uh, too um, incendiary. Um, and there's so many ways to say this in a positive way, too, uh, whether you're talking about maybe schools, not just Christian schools, but you know every any any kind of school where say you know we want to promote other opportunities for other kind of schools, uh, whether that's school vouchers or, or something like that, something innovative. Um, uh, and, and CLS has really been at the forefront of some access issues for things like college campuses, where there was this, the famous case of CLS a couple years ago, where a college or law school group was not allowed to have a school-sanctioned CLS chapter because they had faith requirements for their leaders. And the school uh, administration thought that that was just too unreasonable. 
that a Christian group could require uh, their folks to have Christian um, leaders well, as long as you know, there's we're, a we're glad you're in, We're glad you're yeah. in the battle, Sally, and we're glad yeah. for the Christian Legal Society, and I encourage all of our listeners to pray for Christian Legal Society and and examine how you can evangelize lawyers or encourage lawyers to be more active in serving the Lord. This is John Malk. You've been listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.